So here we are, lawyer talk, off the record, but on the air. Uh, and it's Sunday here, and I'm missing church, so this better be good. Well, you're going to have a religious experience right here at 511 South High. You know why? Because it's tax season, and we have we Glenn have Harper. The Harper man. Plus CPA, is that what it is? Yeah, or, it's close enough. What is it? Harper Company CPA Plus. Yeah. Harper Company. Harper and Company. Harper and Company. So he's got company, CPA Plus. I got people. Uh, and this is Glenn Harper. And, uh, you know, you're not just my accountant. I've known you, what, how long has it been? 20-some-odd years. 20 25, years. 4, 3, whatever. And here's what's funny. This is before I was working with Eric Yavich. It was before Yavich and Palmer. I was I was doing my own bean counting. No offense to that term. I don't, I don't None mean taken. disrespectfully. None taken. I was doing my own bean counting. It is in this old, what well, used to be the old conference room here at 511 South High on the main floor that we now occupy and before I own this building. And we were, uh, I was sitting around a round table, much like this one, except it was glass. And uh, Glenn comes sauntering in trying to sell his accounting services to me because you knew. I didn't have right? to sell it. I didn't bite that. <laughs> you know why? Because I had QuickBooks, damn it. And I was going to do it myself. Um, so I was trying to pay quarterly estimates and trying to do everything right, and eventually uh, got in over my head. So Glenn, you have, you bailed me out uh, in ninety. That would have been ninety six, nineteen ninety six. How about that? Ninety six, ninety five. Even that was ninety five. I think it was ninety five. I was probably filing my ninety five tax returns in nineteen ninety six. That's probably what was going on. We humored you and let you let you do it. I, yeah, I, I sort of uh, drifted alone there on the sea of tax IRS problems until Glenn helped us. Those online things or the little packages you can buy to help you with your taxes kind of scare the heck out of me. I had a close friend in the last couple months that got a big bill from the IRS because something got screwed up with like, what is it? Tax Slayer or one of these like Turbo at-home things. TurboTax, yeah. It's, uh, it's real easy if you know where to put everything, but if you don't know where to put everything in the program, it's just not going to work out well for you. Well, I mean, I thought now what they do is like, I, I remember doing that. They would just go through this roll of questions. I thought, you know, stuff would pop up. Did you ever go to, or did you ever donate anything for charity? What was it? What's the value? And it just lets you keep rolling right through. And then it just put it in there. Why didn't that work? Well, cause there's, it's just the questions that they don't ask. Yeah. Most people, they don't realize what they have with that dialogue that you have with your CPA at tax time and throughout the year. It just creates the, um, the opportunity to question what you're really doing and what's really going on. And then you get that insight and you can come around the backside and, and help the people because they don't even know what they need or they don't even know what they have. Well, you know, that's what we say it all the time too at trial work, right? It's like, it's like a lot of times it's, it's not that you're not, nobody's intentionally doing it wrong. Well, I don't want to no, say that. It's not that you're intentionally doing it wrong. You just don't know what you're not doing. There's no intent by anybody to, to do their things wrong. They just don't know. It's not what they do. So you've been a CPA. How long have you been to C- the CPA exam sucks, right? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's uh, I, I should have been a doctor and an attorney and a certified financial advisor would have probably been easier than the CPA. But no offense to all those people, but they all say the same thing. The people that have gotten the CPA also, it just separates you out. And well, that test. Tell me about that. How long did it take you to take that test? Oh well, let's see. I the first time I took it, I went to class, but I didn't study because I didn't think it was that big of a thing, and it was a big thing. The second time I took it, (laughs) apparently um, you have to study more than I studied. And then the third time, I said, "Well, now I really have to commit to this thing," and I went and passed all four parts. But it's a two and a half day test. Two so that's equivalent to the bar exam, but I've heard it's harder. But this was this is so far back. I don't even know if we had computers. I don't even think we had mechanical pencils back then. Now it's an online thing, and you take it uh, 
I don't even say online, but it's a computerized thing, and you, you take it in sections. So you can study for one section, take it, study for another section, take it. So you only have to take it one at a time. Hold, now. On, hold on a second. I thought that's how it was when you took it. No, I had to sit there with a pencil. And you, it was all or nothing? All or Well, you had to pass at least two of the four parts and get at least a 50% on the other two parts for the, the count. Um, if you, so like the second time I took, it, I passed one part, um, but it didn't count cause I didn't pass two. So I had to start over again. Wow. And, yeah. and it's not like, I, I think I remember hearing or talking to people who were taking the CPA cause I, I had a couple of guys I knew and it's not like the bar exam. It's like, it's expected that you fail the first time. I mean, it's, it's like nobody goes in it's there. It's like 10% or yeah. so. Yeah. Oh, man. That, that's, now, that's lunacy. Now, now it's a little, like I said, it's a little different now because you can go take one section at a time. And they can gear it up for that. So you really are just get to focus on one piece. Just following the trend in our society, which is like the everybody gets a trophy. Let's make it easier. <laughs> Let's make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. Back when I was taking the test, we had to actually learn it. Uh, you know. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole different, that's a whole different uh, situation now. Well, I mean, so you do. And let me just tell you, everybody, what happens here with, with us and, and what you just said, Glenn, is exactly right. Um, you do so much more for me than just taking my numbers at the end of the year and cranking out a tax return. It's not like H and R block at all. Um, and I, and I think it, I, I referred to, I don't know, countless lawyers Kajillions. and lots yeah. of people because every single, uh, every single decision I make in the business, I sort of run by you. You've, you've become like, you, like you said, you should have gotten an MBA. You, you, you're probably like we are. We just, people call us because we're in the business of helping them with their problems. What, what happens is over in the past, um, CPAs, accountants, uh, whatever, would all, it'd be a, we're task driven. And the tasks are, well, I just got to prepare a tax return. I just have to prepare a financial statement. Uh, I just have to file a state tax or a local tax or CAT tax. And it's just, it's a list of tasks. Uh, you, you got, you want to be a professional when you do those because there are responsibilities that go along with that. But it was all about the tasks. Well, then all of a sudden when you start to realize that it's not about the tasks. It's about the knowledge. It's about the the experience where you can walk in and solve somebody's problem in five seconds and you can fix everything they have and you just did it in five seconds or a minute or two minutes. That's the thing that people just can't look up. That's what you can't do your own taxes because you just don't know. You can look up stuff, but you don't know how to interpret it. You know what it means. You can't relate it to everything else. So the success that we've had is just because we've been doing this for so long that we can kind of look at most situations and walk in and go, uh, yeah, you do this, this, and this, and you're fixed. And they're like, wow, that's all you got to do. And then, yep, that's it. Well, let me give you, let me give you the prime example. This, this maybe is the most important thing that you ever helped me with. Um, and you've been doing my taxes. We already said for some 20 some years and you're this advisor, this consultant, uh, at one point, even you grabbed me and said, come on, let's go golf. And I, you started my short-lived and less than illustrious golf career. Uh, quitter. And then, yeah, quitter. <laughs> but the single most important thing you did for me is... Gave you the birds and the bees talk? No, 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 no. He, <laughs> you, you taught me how to use a shotgun. <laughs> you're, you're a hunter. Yes. Uh, you're, 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 can we yeah. just say it? You're a farm boy. I, yeah, that's, we, we like to be outside. Yeah, where did you grow up on a farm? Yep. You had pigs in, in the house as pets. Well, we had to raise one in the house because uh, it was the runt, and uh, the mom didn't like it, and the other siblings didn't like it, meaning the pig, and they were going to kill it. So it was wintertime, so, you know, you got to take care of your animals, right? And that was it. But, it, I mean, I, I'm saying this just to punctuate the point. It's like you're, you're not just this 
dude who's coming from the ivory tower and academic la la land who doesn't know anything about people doesn't know anything about how to solve problems i mean like you're just a real dude yeah Without when you were when you're young, you when you're taught a good work ethic, which I think the farm lets you do, you learn that you don't uh when it comes to a problem you just have to figure it out. You don't you don't just give up and defer to somebody else, you have to figure it out. And when you have that work ethic, you can kind of make it through anything. And and you know, Glenn taught me we were talking about guns earlier. We're gonna we're gonna talk about guns, maybe not today, but there's there's guns coming in in this podcast world of ours. But uh uh you taught me gun safety, how to shoot, and, and how it all works. And I remember, uh, I remember thinking this. Recently, I thought about this. The stuff I still do, I learned that day we were up uh, at at that property, freezing cold uh, in the snow. Uh, I was getting ready for my first uh, experience hunting, and uh, it, it always it was remarkable to me how smoothly and efficiently you were able to sort of give me those lessons and do it and and off i went but uh i i think it's helpful i what's the most valuable for me anybody's running a business out there needs a dude like glenn to help them do it they just do whether it's a lawyer whether it's accountant whether it's a little bit of both uh having that constant insight is yeah. is helpful um i would agree you with you you mentioned sitting in the woods and being in the cold i think there's such an experience there um, and I think that changed you a lot um, because we get pretty stressed. And I know, Glenn, you can get stressed, but I don't get to do it enough. You've invited me countless times to go up there and sit in the woods. But uh, every Saturday morning or so, I'll get a text from him, especially during hunting season. And he just has this, you just have this picture of this shot where you have camped out and you're ready for something to come. I think, you know, we talked a lot on this podcast about the stresses of our jobs. And I think that uh, that, I mean, Glenn introduced you to it, but I think that's changed you a lot too, just to be able to have that space to sort of quiet your mind and forget about things. Well, I mean, think about it. And Glenn, you deal with this every day too. It's like, how often is your cell phone really off? I mean, a taxi, you're, you're up to your eyeballs right it's now. It's 24 seven. It's 24 seven. You're getting emails, you're getting texts. And, and then I think we create these synapses in our brain that we just somehow have to have it. It's like, I got to look at Facebook. I got to look at all this crap. And here we are. How and many likes did I get for that picture? I don't care about the likes. It's just, I got. I don't want to miss anything. You know, that's yeah, the key. Right? You don't want to miss it. And, and see, but that's that farm mentality. You don't care what other people think. It's like, it's like you realize that there's no control over that. But, you know, you get to the woods like you're talking about, Jeff, and it's like, you can shut that off and yeah. it takes work. It yeah. takes work to be able to just shut that off. Like I'll send you a text and my phone's off. Yeah. And then it's like, now you're there alone. And how many people, in a, if you've got a busy job doing anything, I don't care what it is, how many people actually get to sit alone where you cannot see another human being for hours at a time without any outside interaction other than what you are perceiving and experiencing? And there's this philosophical and cosmic thing that happens when you figure out how to do that we call so we call those uh golf and hunting we call those enablers and it enables you to be allowed to disconnect so when you go play golf you shut your phone off and you hang out and you enjoy the companionship whoever you're with or solo when you go hunting same same concept applies and it's really not about the golf it's not about the hunting it's about hanging out and just being somewhere and just relaxing and just trying to just enjoy yourself and it's, it's such a trick in this day and age. It's I, hard. I, look, I struggle with it. I, Last night, I have a TV going on on the wall. <laughs> I look over at my wife on the couch. She's on her phone. I look over. I'm looking at myself. I'm on my phone. You know what I mean? Messing around with dumb stuff. 
and I've got the kids running around and now my two year old jokingly holds up toys and does the thing with the thumbs yeah. because that's what she sees mommy and daddy do. And I'm just like, what are we coming to? What are we coming to? And I get my kids will say, I do something in my, I call it no screen Sunday. I got to do that. And no screen Sunday. And, I, and look, at first it meant no screens, you know, damn it, a screen, a screen, a screen. But now if I'm watching a movie with them, we can do that. Why? Because I'm not one to go completely right. screen free. Right. But it, crazy on me here. It's like no screen Sunday. <laughs> we can watch a movie together as a family. We can, uh, if the Olympics are on, we can watch that kind of screen. Um, and if we're all, like, even if we're going to play a video game or something together, we can do it. But the idea is to eliminate the isolation where you're just staring at this thing, this phone, and, uh, and why, I don't know what they do, but you take, you, you, you implement no screen Sunday. And as soon as, as soon as that happens, we get my kids will wake up. It's Sunday, 10 minutes in, you know what the first thing I hear? I'm bored. Yep. I'm bored. And it's, it's not even that they've, they wouldn't have even been on the screen yet. But as soon as they realize, oh shit, it's the no pressure's there. Sunday. It's like, I can't do anything. I'm bored. And uh, this, this idea of having to fill that time with something other than this chaos in our worlds uh, is, is what makes them just sort of stress out and anxious. And we've created this monster. I mean, growing up, I mean, I'm younger than you guys, but I, I don't remember doing that. I remember being outside. I remember. You imagine your dad. Different- <laughs> you you got to get, uh, you got whatever. Give me a farm truck. Like clean it up the. You got to do chores every morning, every night. You got to yeah. feed and water and take like, care. Dad, hold on one more second, Dad. I just got to watch this YouTube video. I mean, no, how, that, what would, yes, uh, that would not have happened. Now, were you one of these guys? Were you one of these guys that got up before school? Oh yeah, did you did something got, on the farm. Chores are first. Everybody had your chores. You had to get up, feed the animals. Come first, then you get fed. Um, you take care of them first. You you clean. And that'd their be on a school day. Oh yeah, every day. It's, there's no wow. there's no day off. It's very hard to go on vacation when you grow up on a farm because yeah. it's every morning, every night. So, and what then time do you get up when you're a kid? Uh, we, you know, be up by five thirty, six o'clock. You go out, to take care of the animals, and you get ready for school. And then, you know, when I was a kid, we walked like four miles uphill in the snow, Both and that's ways. how we did. Yeah, that's um, yeah. And you'd ride your bus for an hour, then you come home, and you had to do chores before. If you were lucky enough to play a sport, you had to do chores before, you know, dinner before you had to go to the sport before practice, and Man. then you'd cut wood all weekend, and you know, you just it's so nonstop. Lost. It's a lost nerd. It's, it was awesome. Right and, and it's not really, it wasn't really work at the time because it's just what you did and you have to make the best of it. So like a tax season now doesn't really bother me. I miss my family and hanging out with friends, but you know, there's work to be done. You got to get it done. And that's, you just have that work ethic. You just keep going forward. See, I didn't have, I obviously didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in, well, I, I went to Big Wall High School up in Sunbury and it was a rural community at the time, but what great people around me. Um, and you know, there were people who were on farms, there were people who worked in all, all walks of life, different jobs, mostly non like professional jobs. And I think probably, and you for sure, cause I look, you've been my friend for 20 years for a reason. It's like, that lets me appreciate what everybody has. I don't care if it's money. I don't care if it's a big house. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what color your skin is. I really don't care. And I, I think in this day and age, too many people are tied to this notion of hiring a professional that uh, is all slicked up, looks the part, and uh, you know maybe drives the fancy car and does all that stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, I've always looked for, well, frankly, guys like you who I can just talk to, who are normal. I don't yeah. need to worry about what kind of car or they think I drive or don't drive, or how big my house is, or how much money you have or don't have. I mean, I I've just never had that 
bias looking at people. And I think it's because of where I grew up, you know, and, and, and how I grew up. But, uh, I guess that's helped me in my practice and I've watched your practice grow. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the things you do best is just talk to people on a level that they can understand. Um, even though it is about a bunch of numbers and, and garbage that we're probably one, the taxi, we're probably one level below the going to the dentist, um, which is unfortunate because if we, if we do what we're supposed to do all year, our clients, they, we don't like surprises in our industry our, our firm and our clients, we know what's coming. So by the time it gets to tax season, it's time to file their tax return. Most of our clients, they already know what the answer is going to be. They're either, if they owe, they know they're going to owe. If they get money back, they know they're going to get money back. It's not like this drum roll and just wait and see what happens. It's the worst feeling ever. So we try to, (laughs) it's it's not, it's not a good place to be. I remember not making much money and probably just because I'm doing it wrong, but I would get these turbo tax or whatever. My wife and I have used those before all admitted and I'd get the numbers back. I'm like, how? Like, How's this possible? How is it possible? Because I, we have clients that come in and say, oh, no, no big deal, man. I'm getting a big chunk of change for my taxes. I'll get you guys paid. It's like, why do I owe them $1,500? And I, I'm not making very much money. That's the old prior it's planning like, thing. Man. Yeah, it's, it's weird when people, uh, again, it's a, it's a task. Most people, it's a task-driven thing, and they don't do the planning. The planning is the fun part. The task part is really, you know, uh, who wants to sit there and type numbers in the computer? But that's the end result. So it's all the prior planning all year long to figure things out to make sure you know the answer before you have to ask the question. And that's where the fun is. And that's where the, the, the challenge is where most people, they don't do the planning. They just do the task. And it's too late. Once it hits January 1st of the next year and you're doing your taxes, there isn't really not a lot you can do for the prior year. It's too late. Yeah. So you got to have that conversation before the end of the year. And, yeah. and you know what's funny? Um, since you took over the reins here in our bean counting world, um, I've never had a problem paying taxes. And they're, they're, it's not he's, just you. I'm going to credit somebody else. Um, I come from a long line of criminal defense lawyers around here. And there was a, a woman, uh, and she was, a, she used to work with Paul Cassidy and Bill Meeks and David Neoff. So sort of these are sort of my, this stream of mentors that, that, kept me going here over the years and uh, I started my practice and Eric and I started our practice a year later and I got your wisdom and I got her wisdom and her wisdom was if you make a dollar you put 30 cents in a savings account if you make ten dollars you put three dollars in a savings account and you just let it ride well it's funny because I started doing that this is back when I was doing the bookkeeping and everything I would take a dollar and I was like, well, Eric didn't know this at the time, but he, he liked it later. I, I would take 50 cents and stick it into a savings account. And I was thinking, well, you know, taxes, I don't know how much, how that works. I better just stick 50 cents. I'll be, that way we'll be really safe. And then you learn to live on whatever the, op, whatever is left. And I guess all that's premised upon making money. You have to make money to be able to do that. But um, I've never gotten behind on taxes because the, you and Louise, did that for us here and there's never been a tax problem. So what do you tell? It's like, that's the first thing we tell people when they come in and they're self-employed, when you have what we call a real job, when you get paid a salary, you can pretty much target, you know what you're going to make, you know what your tax are going to be. You can target what that withholding needs to be. When you're self-employed, 
you wake up every day at zero. So you don't know what you're going to make. You could yeah. make a billion. You could make negative. It's just the way it is. The reality is, though, whatever you make, the rule is we tell people you put half aside. Um, now, when I say that, that doesn't mean you have we, – we set tell people to set up their business account. The business account is where all the money in and out goes for their business. Don't commingle with personal. Don't commingle with the neighbors. Don't commingle with your other business. One business account for each business. And what will happen is when the money comes in that account and you pay your bills and do what you do, when you pull money out and put it in your own personal account for whatever it is personal use you want to do – the exact same amount that you took out, you're supposed to set aside in a savings account. That's your tax money. It's not well, actually, it's not even your money. It's the government's money. So once you take the money out, you take out a thousand bucks. You set a thousand bucks aside for taxes. You take out five bucks. You put five bucks aside. You take out ten thousand. You put ten thousand aside. Wow. If you do that every time, not only one, it it helps you. Uh, budget a little bit better, but you will never, ever, ever have a tax problem. Now, it might not be quite 50% that you're going to owe for taxes, but it's be close enough for government work. And if you have a little extra, well, now maybe you have enough money to put money in a retirement plan or something that you didn't plan to before. The, the second, the, the biggest reason that people, businesses fail, the first one is they don't properly pay and withhold and file their payroll taxes. And that's the number one killer. You're like, oh, I'm paying somebody X dollars. I got to withhold tax. I'll get it later. Big mistake. The, the, partly with that is also the um, sales tax. You withhold, you, you charge sales tax, you hold it, you're the fiduciary, and you don't, you don't send that off. So if, you, you, if you, you're talking about a business that sells something. Right. If you have a sales tax and a payroll tax is for your employees, the sales tax is if you collect sales tax, you sell a product that you have to charge tax mm-hmm. on. So, and you're acting as a fiduciary. I never thought of that. So you're so, acting as a fiduciary. For the, fiduciary is a fancy term to mean that you promise the government you're going to pay that. Yeah, when you go to the grocery store and you buy something, they charge you tax or wherever, whatever store. You go to a hardware store, that is not their money. That's that's the government's money. You're acting as a fiduciary in that. So you hold that and you do you give that at the end of the next month. Well, people have shortage on cash flow, so they'll take that money and, quote, spend it and say they'll pay it later. And when you get behind on that, that's a really big no-no when you spend the fiduciary money. And and the payroll tax is the same thing. When you withhold from your employees their payroll taxes and you're supposed to remit those you know, three business days later and you don't, you're doing a really bad thing. And if you get behind on that, it's almost impossible to catch up. And so th- those two want, those two taxes right there really are catastrophic for a business owner. You really want to pay those first. The second uh, thing that happens is you don't properly pay and withhold uh, you withhold for your income taxes. So people, I see it all the time. It's so uh, maddening because it doesn't have to happen. They start their business, whatever, end of the year they come and they're like, hey, I made $100,000, but they spent $100,000. They didnn't put the $50,000. Not spent $100,000 in, the, in, 100, in their business. On their personal side, they spent 100000 Well, they took 100000 out. Right, yeah, yeah. So the business account is zero. They took all, they spent all the money they made and then they come around for taxes and they're like, Hey, I started a business. I need a CPA. Can you help me? I'm like, well, let's see what you got. Well, you owe 50 grand. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, you, you made all this money. You didn't pay any tax. Like, what am I going to do? Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go on a payment plan and you better hope you have a good next two years because it's going to take you two years not only to pay this tax off over a payment plan, but you got to start paying 50 cents on the dollar on your next year's taxes. So it usually takes somebody two to three years to recover from a bad year. And that's why I was lucky here getting your advice and the other advice to save your freaking money now. And, And you know what? I have people all the time. I got buddies. I got I got clients. See, you know, it's funny here. I get so many clients that we help out that call us like four years later. In fact, I just referred one to you. I'm not going to use his name, but I referred one to you. Um, we helped him out 
and uh, now he's got a good business and uh, he wants to do some stuff with his business. But so many people call me later and uh, just want some advice on this. And it really is sort of, I guess it's flattering in a way, but we don't do a whole lot of business law here. right? Yeah. But I do know one thing. I always tell him the same thing. I was like, get help now. If you're starting your business right now, let me tell you what you do. You, first of all, I tell him, I, it's probably over, maybe I shouldn't even admit the advice I'm giving in front of my account. But first of all, I say, figure out what the best. Earmuffs. Earmuffs. Figure out what the best business entity is. And they say, well, what is that? And I say, well, I don't freaking know. You got to go call uh, J. Michael. You got to call Glenn. You got to call somebody and they'll help you uh, figure out if you need an LLC yet, if a partnership works, if uh, some sort of other corporation works. Uh, do it now. Yeah, And then even if you don't do that, at least create your own bank account for the business. So many people are like, they're running their business through their personal checking account and it's just chaos. It yeah. does, and then they end up in that problem. Well, it's crazy that smart people find themselves in this situation. I mean, what you're describing is a guy that's walking into you that thought he had a great year, that worked hard, that made some money and you're they're going, so excited. sorry, man. I, I had a similar, I'm, I'm, I myself, I'm trying to get my finances in line, trying to think about my kids, think about my, my future. And I sat down with a guy the other day and he said, now you guys got a will too, right? And I was like, no, I don't have a will. And he was like, dude, you're a lawyer, man. What, I mean, you know this, you need to, I mean, you're, you're starting, you're putting the appropriate things in place. You got two kids, man. You got a wife, you got to have a will, man. And, uh, it's amazing because I, I mean, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I mean, I've, I, I'm here. I work as a lawyer. I give people advice every day and I myself am screwing it up. You know well, what I mean? It's, it's interesting. I think there's a certain notion for all sorts of reasons, I mean, I've held down jobs before, like when I was banging nails and I was, I was a maintenance guy in an apartment complex, believe it or not. That was interesting. Um, but in the main, I've always worked for myself. I think I've got issues that have sort of forced that on me. Right? It's the only way it works for me in my life. And uh, it forces you to learn all this crap the hard way, but at least at, when you're young. I mean, it's like I've had to learn how to do my own tax withholding because I've always run the business. I've had to learn how to do my own investments because I never had a pension or PERS or, or, or an IRA that's offered by an employer. It's like yeah. you just sort of have to figure that crap out on your own. And then you get 15, 20 years in, it's like, all right, now I'm pretty comfortable that makes with this sense. crap. Um, the thing that's important to note here is that uh, entrepreneurs, <clears throat> excuse me, people that want to start their own business or hang their shingle and do what they do, that's – that's what makes America really unique because you have the ability to do that in this country pretty pretty easily. The problem is is that it's a pretty complex thing that you have to know to actually do it. So everybody's got these great ideas, but they don't put a line item in their little budget that says, hey, I need to pay for attorney fees to make sure I'm doing things legally right. And they don't put a line item, item in there for their CPA for business entity selection. How do I run a business? How do I do for taxes? They don't have a budgetary line item for that, and that is important. If you don't have that line item, you are literally setting yourself up for failure. I mean, we we use this analogy all the time. I can't remember what the name of that uh, commercial was. You pay me now or pay me later. What was that? Yeah, uh, it was yeah, like uh, I know what you're talking. It was about. like a you know, I don't know. It was a whatever it is a repair shop. And what ends up happening is if you go into business with somebody and you don't get the proper uh, partnership agreement and operating agreement and have all the sets of the rules of the game going on. Yeah, you're going to pay your attorney five grand to set that up, but you're going to pay him two hundred fifty thousand later if you don't do it right. Yeah, 
if you don't set up your business entity right and do your taxes right, it's going to cost you a t- probably three, four times more to fix your mess than it would if you just did it right the first time. Well, look, we're people thinking the short term with that so they, much. They can't, it's like, but that's an entrepreneur. They don't think they they think about their dream yeah. of what they want to do, but they don't think about the reality of what they need to do. Yeah, but even the individual, even myself, yeah. it's like I think about all right. Well, I could just do it on my own. Let's save myself some money, yeah. and it's like. You know, but then, and then people cut corners because, and I'm not trying to bad mouth H&R Block and stuff like that. No, they but do a good job. But yeah. I've been there too. And I leave there feeling like, well, heck, I just coughed up this much money. I don't really, f- I feel like I could have done that. But it's like, how do you speak on that? I mean, people I think are thinking in the short term, you know, we have this come up all the time with people that are, that are in, in jail to and make an analogy with a criminal defense situation. People are sitting in jail facing some serious charges going to put them in prison forever. And all they want to talk to us about is the bail and then the bond. How do I get out? How do I get out? How do I get out? It's like, dude, you're thinking in the short term, you are facing serious charges. You may go for a long time. How bad can it be? Well, the same is true with Glenn. It's like, I think I've fallen into that too. It's like, I don't know what your hourly rate is, but clearly you, even in these couple minutes of speaking, have made me think about things I may or may not be doing that I should be doing. It's like that professional advice, just like we give is so crucial. And even if that means early on some money out the, out the door, you have to realize how much would you just quote $250,000 later trying to fix a problem. It's like, you have it's to realize real. that the that importance. Happens. This is what, uh, this is great. David Niehoff, one of my mentors, <clears throat> Eric and I were running our business in the basement of, of the office on a banquet table. And, uh, Things were starting to happen. You know, we were getting busy, busy, busy. And I go, Nehoff had a client. He referred it to me. And I'm sitting there afterwards in his office. And he would always, he had this way about him. But uh, he's like, when are you guys getting a secretary over there? You got, you got some help yet? I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, no. Uh, he's like, I, you know, he goes, what the hell are you doing? I said, yeah, we can't really afford that right now. You know what he said? He goes, you can't afford not to have that right now. Yeah, there you go. And it was the same topic Truth. you're talking about. It's like. If people are saying right now, eh, I just can't afford an accountant. I'd rather just go to go to the guy flipping the sign on the corner uh, that'll charge me 150 bucks to do my return. Um, their return's getting done, but is it is it the right way? And is it? And maybe it is. I suppose. What do you think about that stuff? Um, I can tell you, I've yet to have a client that we've had that the advice that we provided, not only from running the business. The filing of things and the tax consulting planning part of it. I've never had a client yet who has paid me more than what I've saved them ever. Wow. So the value is that we can, we can create the value where you're not actually paying me. I'm actually paying you by not having you cost. You're not paying as much in tax or you're running your business a little more efficiently. So the value is it's all value driven. Um, now there are some clients that you have where they just need tasks done and there's really not a lot you can do and you got to charge them for those tasks, but you have, there's always a couple nuggets you can throw in to tell people what they need to do. Sometimes they take your advice and sometimes they don't. There's this, uh, called a line of demarcation. At some point, uh, people are just trying to survive, uh, and, and pay their bills and raise their family and pay their taxes, just try to do what they're supposed to do. And then eventually they, they cross over and they have that point where they, hey, I've got extra money. What do I do with this? And when they get to that point, that's where the fun starts for me because that's when you can start, you know, really giving them good advice of how they need to do things with that money to actually 
launder it to the IRS. I know it's a bad term, but you take it out of one pocket, throw it in yourself a nice retirement plan and put it in your other pocket, and the government pays you 40 cents on the dollar to do that. Um, there's all kinds of different options out there with entity selections, and there's so many things you can do. That's the value that we try to create and help with the client, that they had no idea that that exists. And the only way that happens is this is the, the third thing I was telling you about why businesses sometimes don't make it is the success of the business is directly attributed to the financial demands that the owner puts on the business. And what that means is that however much money you need at home, you have to set a cap of this is what I need at home. My bare, bare, barest minimum to pay all our bills. You talk to your wife, you talk to your husband, you talk to your family, you say, here's how much money we need to run our house. It's X. We don't take more than X out of the company. Once you set that limit, it takes all the pressure off the family, off the business, because you know, oh, that's my number. I got to make X per month and give it, bring it home. Then at the same time, you're going, well, I need X again to pay my taxes. Now you've taken that pressure totally off and the rest of the, the focus is now just growing your business and doing your thing. Then at the end of the year, we add up all the money and do all the taxes. We're like, oh, okay, well, you know, you've left $200,000 in your bank account at the business because you only took out what you needed at home and you have this huge nest egg. You've already paid all the tax on all the money you took. You've got a 200000 left in the bank at the business level. Well, we know we need a hundred of that for taxes, right? Just round numbers. Well, you've got 100000 left that we've already covered the taxes and you're good to go. What do you want to do with that? I have $100,000? Yeah. Here, let me just push this whole stack of hundreds over to you. What would you like to do with that? Right. Would you like to pay off a car? Would you like to go on vacation, fund a college account? <clears throat> There's all kinds of things you can well, do. Well, and you can give people advice on where the best place to do it is, right? I mean, it's like you've yeah. done that for me where, all right, I got some extra cash at the end of the year because we have done things the way you said to do it. That's when we start fishing around and looking at the optimal place to use it. And what's what's great it's opportunity. It's all it is. It creates opportunity. Right. Maybe you want to expand your business, maybe you want to do something else, maybe you want to hire some help and try to get this other market, whatever it is. Or what what I love about what you guys do is you're like, why don't you take that and go to Vegas? Or go have some fun. Right. You worked <laughs> hard. Right. Go have some fun. Because the odds are good that you're going to return on that investment. Put it on in Vegas. Black. Yeah. Take some All of, of it. Because that's what we're talking about getting to the woods. It's like if you don't have that in your life as a business owner, then you're going to get chained to this place and you're going to go crazy. Yeah. Um, so it's like your advice has not only just been the prudent financial decision, but also just sort of as a whole is just advice. Like, dude, you got a hundred grand. And that's never happened to me, frankly. But you got a hundred grand. Um, why don't you take ten of it and take a vacation with family? Or why don't you take five of it, go to have a vacation, take five, uh, buy that motorcycle you want, and then the, the rest of the ninety, we're going to start looking at where you're spending the most interest on your debt. Where, if you invest that here, uh, is that going to be the best place to get your return? Does it make sense to pay off your house or pay down your house more than you should? I mean, all those things sort of come into play in the bigger picture. And like you said, that's when it gets really fun. Um, I've got a neat perspective on that. And it's, it's probably not totally politically correct, but we know that, and everybody can look at their own, their own budget and they know this. If you go, um, whatever money you bring to your home, your house, it gets spent. That's just a rule. I can't define why that happens. It just happens. Whatever, if it comes, if it goes into your personal account, 
it means it's available. It's it's really hard not to let that happen. And so when we look at the spending habits, I know this is stereotypical and it probably shouldn't say this, but chicks and dudes have two types of things that they do. Chicks will spend $10, $5, $19, $49.95, $18, $36, $5, $2 for a latte, whatever. Dudes will spend zero, five grand, zero, two grand. <laughs> and if so you true. go look at your bank account at home, you'll see this and it makes no logical sense, but it's just the way it is. But if you put a cap on those, on both parties and here's how much you can spend, generally the guys will spend, they end up spending that money, whatever they're allowed to spend. And the girls will actually save money because they know that's all they're going to get. It's, it's an uncanny ability for women to save. It's, it's amazing how well if you put a, a budget on them, they save so much money. They make guys look like amateurs when it comes to that. And so when we do this, all it does is it creates that opportunity where when we can come back and say, because we know if you take that money, that 100000 we were talking about a minute ago, if you take an extra two, three grand a month out, it just goes in the black hole. It's just gone. It, there, you buy nothing tangible with that. But you slide a stack of $100,000 to somebody, you're going to remodel the house. You're going you're gonna to just spend that money so much more wisely. And, and just it's having the conversation with the, with the couple, the business owner, and just saying, Hey, you understand the big picture here. It's not about, you know, how much you are or are not getting. It's just like make it work on this. And as your business grows and the more money comes out, and maybe frankly, next year you've got an extra hundred thousand. We know that we can give your monthly quote allowance, add a thousand bucks to it and let you, you know, not have it so tight around the house. You know, that scares the heck out of me. I don't think in those terms. I am the spender for sure. And I don't, I don't have like a budget, you know what I mean? I don't have like a monthly spending it that just, it makes me think. Imagine if you're running the business and last week you had no calls. Now look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my first month in law practice. <laughs> Here I am. I went to Aaron's rents and sells furniture and, uh, I rented a desk and I rented, uh, a credenza. And that's what I had. And I, I, bought, I bought my buddy's used compact Presario computer for a hundred bucks. And that's what I had. Um, first week, you know, I show up with a suit. We were suspenders back then. So I was real slick, but show up in a suit, ready to rock and roll. Phone doesn't ring. Week number two, phone doesn't ring. Week number three, it's like, huh, what's going on? And then all of a sudden the phone rings and somebody pays you 500 bucks to do something. And now it's like, you're Mr. Cash, right? I'm going to B dubs, man. We're buying beers for everybody. <laughs> and it's like, uh, and it, you forgot to go into the restaurant and pin your, your business down, card yeah. to the cork board. That's, that's how you get the big business and here at five in a B I was absolutely serious because B dubs used to be right next door. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I called, uh, my buddy, Mike, who's, he was sharing a house with me at the time. When I first started my practice. Yeah. But he was my computer guy. I bought the computer from him. And I was like, dude, I just got paid. I got a fee. We're, I'm buying beers tonight oh, yeah. at B-dubs. Yeah. And uh, we did it. And it's really hard, this notion when you're running a business, to keep that level and even keel um, until you get it moving. And uh, it, you just got to be careful, I suppose. But uh, this sort of feast or famine mentality probably leads to big problems in your world. Yeah. It, the Again, the the the, the unfortunate reality but this is the reason why entrepreneurs do what they do is they thrive in the uncertainty most people are not programmed that way to wake up the next morning and go well there's no money in the bank i got no appointments uh nobody's buying anything 
But you know what? That means I better work harder today. I better work smarter. A lot of people can't thrive in that environment. And so the people that can do that, they're the ones that take those risks and do that. Um, but then the next level is when you start to become, we'll call it financially successful and you start making money, you don't want to be the person that things change uh, really, really fast in the business environment. And all of a sudden you could be out of business because they change a rule uh, or they change a, a certain type of deduction or something like that where – we don't need those anymore, and those things aren't applicable anymore, and you're out of business. So the key is, as you become successful, you always got to live like you were when you weren't successful. Because if you live like that, you then create that opportunity to say, well, I don't care if I make a million dollars a year or a 100000 a year. I'm still going to pay my bills just fine. When you start raising your standard of living to what you think you're going to make or you have been making, all of a sudden, guess what? When that year comes where you don't make that, you're overextended, and it's over. You don't want to be that guy or that girl. So it's all about just, um, you know, the core concept in accounting is, is conservatism. And that is to try not to spend more than you make, try to set things aside, um, try to live beneath your means. And I know it's a cliche to say that. And I mean, people say it all the time and nobody believes it. But honestly, when you do that and if you follow kind of what I said earlier, you're going to get paid. You're going to get your money. It's just that you're not getting it every month. And when you get a big chunk, everybody does better things with a big chunk of money than they yeah. do with little chunks. Here's here's the inherent mm. problem with that. And and just this is my own personal experience, right? Like I said, for various reasons, I ended up on – and you did too. You ended up in business on your own. I think you're probably a little more even keeled than I am. But it's like I got highs and lows in my life all over the place. And I I have all sorts of focus problems and, and different problems that have made me great at this job. But what you're talking about can be inherently inconsistent with somebody who is running a business so that they can, they can start their own business and do and be an entrepreneur because they have these characteristics in their nature that is, but that is in itself not consistent with being conservative on the fiscal side. So it's really hard to say, uh, live below your means or do this because guys and gals who are able to go out and take that risk, like you said, thrive on it. Correct. And that's where the key is. There's either you got to appeal to their emotion. It's going to be one or the other. It's going to be like, hey, do you want to be that person? Um, they, they don't really care what people think, but there is a standard that they have that they want to stay in their world. And like you either appeal to say, look, if you want to be successful, if you want to continue this on, this is how you do it. And if that doesn't work, then you got to go after them and say, do you want to be the United States tax uh, United States Treasury versus uh, Bob Smith case court case. Uh, which one do you rather be? So we try to appeal a little bit of the I don't want to say fear, but just this the uh, you know the man's coming down to, to squeeze you if you don't do things right. So mm. if we we'll try, we don't care which way works for the client. We know where they want to be. We want to help them get there. We just got to hit the right button because that is what makes the entrepreneur wonderful. Is they don't think like everybody else. So all we try to do is we can't stop them. We just try to contain them. And we just try to, <laughs> right. we try yeah, to margin right. them. We just try to put them on the right path and work with them. And, and we just put sway with them. defense Right. On. We're just, you know, just casual. And, and, but well, the key is we can't do that when they don't communicate with it's us. It's the rules. That's the only way this has worked for me because you know me by now. I mean, yeah. I'm feast or famine. I rock and roll high and I rock and roll low and I hit rock bottom. I do all that. But I just, I, I have this ability to somehow, for the most part, follow the rules. Like I can put this money here because I know I got to pay taxes, and it's just become this habit that 
that works for me. Um, but if I didn't have that rule in place, I mean, look, I'd lose everything. And I got to hang my keys at the same place when I go home, and I still have time losing. Mm -hmm. The thing that we see is clients come in, and is, again, the clients that we have generally, unless something really bad is going on where they have got to not pay their taxes because they got to survive, that does happen sometimes. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a low interest loan with the IRS if you don't pay your taxes versus trying to get a line of credit. <clears throat> the problem is when we inherit people, usually you get one bad, meaning, when you get behind with whatever tax or filing, whether it's income or payroll, you get one shot because it is so miserable that you never want to do that again. Mm. And if you are so fortunate to be one of those few that get out of that mess because your businesses continue to be successful and you continue to make your money and you can do what you need to do to work your way out of it, you, you have like it's like a zero tolerance policy after that. It'll never happen again. But you everybody's going to have to go through it once because they can see how unpleasant it really is. All right. Let's, let's, let's take a vote here and we'll get Glenn's opinion on it. What do you think the worst business is or the worst business owners? What do you, what do you think their business is on this kind of planning, this kind of saving, getting up and down and finding themselves sideways in taxes? Restaurant. You're saying restaurant. I, my first reaction was, was lawyers. I've known so many lawyers, but now I'm thinking uh, contractors. The answer is uh, D, all the above. <laughs> it doesn't really uh, matter. The, the, what happens is when you run a, a restaurant or a contractor or depending on the type of business and what uh, taxes you're subject to, um, like if you're a, an attorney, you don't collect sales tax. So you can take that problem off your desk. That doesn't exist anymore. If you're a self-employed and you're the Thank only God. employee, you're the only person that you work with, you know, you're sole proprietor. You can take away payroll taxes. You don't deal with that. Um, when you, but as soon as you start adding employees and you start doing things, that's when it gets crazy. Right. And and if you just don't, and again, it, the problem is, is that people just don't know. I mean, if you're a megacorp, you've got, you know, a thousand attorneys, a thousand CPAs on staff telling you what to do, multinational companies, big, huge megacorps telling you what to do and guiding you. The average person starting their business and hanging their shingle out, uh, they got Google. Uh, they don't have anybody. So when you can be that person that can help that person compete in this world, because they have a great product, they have a great idea, but they just don't know how to run a business and what it all means. We get this all the time. Tell me, come on, I got this great idea. I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm like, well, how much are you going to make? Well, I, I think I can sell it for this. I go, uh, do you know how much, how many of these you have to sell to actually get that? Do, that equates down to you got to, you got to do this, whatever it is, product, service, X times per per hour to get this every day to make this number. And you forgot about your overhead. You forgot about the tax. So if you want to make, so if you want to make say 50,000 a year, based on what we already talked, you got to make a hundred. Well, but you have to expenses. I mean, the perfect job is to have no expenses to run your business, but we all have to have expenses. So now if you've got $50,000 of expenses, I mean, a typical company, service company, you're going to spend between five and 10 grand a month to run your business, have an employee, pay your rent, buy your softwares, do your thing. So you need, you got to make like 250,000 to pay your overhead, to pay your taxes, to net your 50 to a hundred thousand bucks. Mm. And people then, then when you do the math and say, you're going to sell this widget or sell this service, you got to do this much. They're like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. And we're like, yeah. maybe you need to raise the Better price or cut your overhead. Right. So having that conversation before somebody does it 
uh, goes out in the in the workplace and, and starts up the business is the key to that. Um, and the other part is once they commit to doing, we think it's going to work. If you set it up right and do the right things from the beginning, it you can just save so much money. So what we got here, I, you know, this is almost like a this is like a part one. We have talked about. <clears throat> We sort of talked about the business owner, the entrepreneurs. We've talked about the best thing to do is, I mean, really call Glenn Harper. What's your phone number? 614-456-7222. And it's Harper and Company Plus. Correct. And what's the plus? Like you do the business consulting. The plus is like we're not just accountants. We're not just tax people. We're not just do financials. The plus is what we're talking about this whole conversation. It's the extra stuff. It's like Uber Plus. It's just better. I mean, you can have just accountant, but- when you are we go to 11, plus, right? We're, we're, we yeah. turn it up. Where's that yeah. dial at over here? Yeah. yeah uh, we want to do the extra that you want to be. All right. So you, what we're going to do is we're going to call this part one. So we're going to, uh, we're going to sign off here with- I think we can just sit here and talk with, about this all day. Glenn. And then I think, you know, he's got sitting here that we'll talk about next time, a blue tax cut and job acts book. That looks awful to that me. That looks horrible. Um, it's awesome. And we're going to, we're going to get into some of the nuts and bolts. And I, you know, I, I'd really like to, I, we'll get into it next time, but I'd like to talk about the other half of this, which is, all right, not everybody runs a business. Not everybody is an entrepreneur. Not everybody uh, has to do all the stuff we've been talking about so far. We got the whole other half of society, maybe more than half that still has to file a tax return, even though they're employed somewhere. So we're going to get to that. Uh, this is lawyer talk off the record and now on the air with Glenn from Harper CPA, Harper and Company CPA Plus. You just call it Harper Company. Harper, Harper, company. Harper and Company. I can't Harper's get rid of the plus. I love I it. I love the plus. I call you Harper, Harper plus. plus. So here we're with Harper says plus. H plus. It's an H with a plus sign. So it's just Harper Plus. So we're H plus and H we plus. are on the air, but not anymore. We'll be back.